we're trying to create people who are a force to be reckoned with, who don't, who don't just know what they believe, but they know why they believe it. And they can defend it articulately, passionately, and without backing down. Not being a jerk, but certainly um, not letting down. Their, their truth and their core political belief is their religion. And they are so adamant and passionate and emotional about it because that is their God with a little G. God really pressed on his heart. You need to go back to the girl that you had that abortion with and you need to apologize to her. And you need to apologize to her face to face. Uh, fetus phobic is someone who is afraid of the natural consequences of heterosexual sex and is terrified of, of, of a pre-born child of a little baby. And I like to say that Roe v. Wade is the story or the court case everyone has heard of, but nobody knows anything about. Governor Walker, thanks for being here. Very great to be with you. I should say it's a pleasure for me to be here. I think Rush is doing that too. And he is he's basically saying, look, I may be dying, but I'm not dead. Dr. Alveda King to Feed Ace podcast. Dr. King, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jerry, and hello, everyone. But they have an objective. The objective is more tax money, more control, and a promotion of a political ideology. It's a pro-socialist, secular worldview. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Feed Ace podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host, and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. We are in a crisis in this country, and the country needs saving. Uh, specifically, we need to save our republic, right? Uh, ironically, my guest today is a two-time guest, and an event he has coming up is called Saving Our Republic. My guest is founder and CEO of Urban Conservatives of America, Jonathan McCullough. Jonathan, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Jerry. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Absolutely. I've been excited to talk to you again. Um, for those that are, are just listening to this episode, uh, just keep in mind that Jonathan was on in an earlier episode, so go back and listen to that as well. Um, but I wanted to have him back on because uh, uh, all of a sudden, he started coming back into my Facebook feed. It had been it had been like he got lost or something. And I was wondering, where's where's my friend Jonathan? And all of a sudden he comes back with a vengeance. So I do have to ask first. Well, I, I know where you were, but but tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody where you were. Why? Why couldn't we see you for so long? Uh, I'm often I'm, I'm a frequent uh, jailbird with Facebook. And, and most recently, I, I had a 30 day ban. This was probably about my six or seven ban already uh, this uh, uh, within the last 12 months. So uh, just most recently, I was I had a 30 day ban and that is probably why you didn't see any of my posts coming up on your feed. These people, <laughs> these people don't want the truth to get out, Jerry. Man, I mean, well, I mean, it, it really is uh, proof to the point of your your organization and what you're doing, uh, you, you know, in the title of your event coming up, Saving Our Republic. I mean, because we're we're talking about people being banned for just speaking, having an opinion, putting forward, you know, even if people at Facebook want to say, hey, we don't agree with what Jonathan's saying. Hey, they're entitled to that. Uh, but it is a horrible thing to see that people are being uh, censored like that. And, and I'm glad you're back, though, man. You, you have had some great posts and uh, they are awesome. So it's glad to have you. So so tell us about this event that you have coming up uh, July 24th. 
in McKinney, Texas. Uh, tell us all about it. Yes, uh, it's July 24th in McKinney, Texas, which is a northern suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Saving Our Republic is a, is a, actually, it's a fundraiser so that we can carry out the mission of Saving Our Republic. Uh, uh, Urban Conservative of America has been in existence for two years. One year, obviously, we lost because of the pandemic, but uh, uh, we're trying to get back, you know, to where we were before the, uh, the crisis. So, um, you know, we need the resources. Um, we're inviting some guest speakers. Shelly is Shelly Luther is one of our guest speakers that that'll be speaking. Uh, for those that don't remember, I don't know if you heard it, but in Texas, when Governor Abbott shut the state down because of the pandemic, Shelly continued to open her salon shop and she was arrested for opening her salon shop. And later Governor Abbott pardoned her. And so she's been a somewhat of a revolutionist around Texas. She's become popular because of that, because she stood her ground and um, she understands her rights. And this is basically what our organization is about. Our organization is about informing and want people to be aware of what, how much the Constitution means to them, how important the Constitution is to them, because it's not about uh, who you vote for. It, it's more or less about the substance is the Constitution of the United States. The United States government is not our friend. And this is something, this is something that particularly in the black community, they believe that the government is their savior. They depend on the government, the, the urban communities back. People to solve your know, problems what created the problem. You know, with uh, this is why we're having these fundraisers, because we believe that we have the most effective campaign, urban urban conservative campaign in America. We have ideas that I'm not going to tell you on, on the show right now, but we have things planned that has never been done before. I love what you're saying about, uh, and, and everyone listening, uh, you know, some of the, the sound is a little bit uh, sketchy with uh, Jonathan. He is on the road. He's a road warrior here. He's out to, to save the country uh, as is just another soldier out there, but a, but a very important soldier. So he's on the road and, and being very gracious and coming on while he's uh, while he's in the car. So uh, there is some static, but um, um, you were you were talking about what what was so great that I love that you were talking about is is following the Constitution. And I think too many people think that the Constitution or our government is here to give things to us. When in reality, if you look at the Constitution, the amendments, and you look at what the framers did, is they said, this is what government cannot take away from you. This is what government cannot do, right? That's what it was. It wasn't a, a list of, you know, it wasn't a grocery list of government will give you A, B, and C. It says government will make sure that your freedom of speech, you know, assembly, religion, and so on, is not taken away. So, you know, that, that is, that is so important. So, so important. So uh, July 24th, um, it's called uh, saving our Republic informing the uninformed, which is so true and really is right on um, as far as what you guys are doing and what the country needs. So, Hey, I want to, I want to go through a few, a few topics that are, that are in the news and I'd love to get your take on them. Um, I know you're never shy about uh, giving your opinion. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to in know. So um, 
first first points that I that I we hear a lot about a lot of talk about is that America was founded on racism. So we're a racist country. We were founded on racism. Give me your give me your take on that. No, no, absolutely not. This is just another form of Marxism. And now that's a whole other story. Uh, this is something that has not been taught. Marxism, that is to our citizens. This is what we're going to do also. But to answer your question, America was not founded on racism. The way America was built was how the world was built. Nothing happened in America that didn't happen in Egypt 2,000 years ago. So uh, this this idea that, that America was founded on racism, uh, let me tell you something. America did not start slavery. America ended slavery worldwide. They ended slavery. America has been champions of liberation of oppression around the world around the world so this is just some more misinformation being fed to people who will not research on their own and they and 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 not only that people that have hearts that are easy to be tugged on And, and and this is the information that they get and they take it and run with it but this is the narrative that they're selling on on tv everywhere America is the greatest country in the world in spite of its flaws. We are all human beings. We are all imperfect. Nobody enslaves anybody because they were Black. Enslavement, it was for free labor. It was for economic purposes. So they they know, the system knows, these people that play these games know that you think it's because you were Black. So they say it's racism. They don't tell you the economic aspect of why slavery. Now, not to say that it was right, but let's just put it in perspective. It had nothing to do with your skin color, but everything to do with economic. Now, that being said, if, if it was the other way around, Black people would not have been any different. They would not have been any different. Because this is the soul of man. The Bible said, all that's in the world is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that means every man. So we would not have done anything different if, if it was the, the situation was reversed. It had nothing to do with your skin color. In fact, slavery started in Africa. Slavery in Africa today. It's going on right as we speak. Black on black slavery. So it has nothing to do with your skin color. It has nothing to do with racism. Of course you have people that, one thing about America, if somebody don't like me, they have every right to not like me for whatever reason. Whatever, that's their business if they don't like me. But they cannot restrict me from doing anything that the Constitution says that I can do. I don't care about who's racist. It doesn't matter. It does not affect me. That's not my problem because I'm smarter than that. I understand that, you know, if I believe that all white people are my enemy, by that same logic, I would have to believe that all black people are my friend. You understand? And we know that's certainly not the case. Right. Yeah. Very well put. So, you know, another, another uh, statement or that's, that's put out there and I want to get your take on it, is that um, because of slavery, 
because of uh, uh, you know the Jim Crow laws and, and even just post-slavery, even in the early 1900s and so on, that Blacks of today are hurt by lack of generational wealth, meaning that, uh, you know, John, Jonathan, your great-grandfather, because of uh, oppression, because of racism, didn't have the ability to make money and so on, and therefore it wasn't, he wasn't able to provide for, for his children and his children weren't, and so on and so forth, right? The generational wealth thing. What, what do you think of that? Well, I think that is a very, very elaborate, excuse because generational wealth starts today not yesterday if you desire to pass something and i and i think i said i don't know if i said when the show started or before the bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children i think i said that before but my point is generational wealth starts today if you are not preparing something to leave to your children, why are you worried about what was left or what wasn't left 200 years ago? Why is that a concern? If you are not practicing to leave something for your children and your family, why are you concerned about what happened 200 years ago? Maybe that is your answer. Mm -hmm. So what we have to do, we have to discover who we are. Malcolm makes one said, Jerry, if, if the black man ever discovers who he is, he'll solve his own problem. We have to discover who we are. We have to understand, can this culture that we live in inside of America, can we live in an alternative culture inside of America and expect the same results from those that embrace the traditional culture in America? So we, we have to take a look at that, you know, but like I said, these are very, very elaborate excuses. And of course, there was uh, 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 injustice as it relates to uh, 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 passing on uh, uh, or people establishing something back then so that it could be passed on. But, but you have to ask yourself, what if it was? Where would it be today based on your thinking process? Where would that be today? So this is why that is irrelevant. That, that makes no sense. It's irrelevant at this point because where would it be today based on your thinking process? Today, 70% of Black America vote Democrat. Well, of course, that percentage has changed since Donald Trump, but prior to Donald Trump, at a 70% tile, Black Americans voted for the Democrats. Well, who are they? The Democrats are the very same people that prevented your ancestors from acquiring wealth. The same people. So these ideas and these narratives and these notions that, that people speak of concerning what you asked me came from your enemy. They came from the very people that prevented you from doing that. So first of all, we have to understand who we are and who they are, and then we can move forward. We don't need to talk about history. The only way to change history is to move forward. The only way to not change it is to stay back there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I love, love everything you just said. It's, uh, you, you know, I think about the whole generational wealth and you're right. There was no question that, that blacks uh, uh, in the, you know, 1920s and prior and, and later, a little later than that and so on were deprived of things and weren't given the same opportunities. And that was a horrible, horrible thing. 
Um, but the, to make the case that because of your great, great grandfather, you know, not having the opportunities means that today someone my age, it, you know, has the right to wring their hands at the injustice and blame any any failure I have or lack of money that I have is silly because, you know, it, in case you can't tell, I'm a white guy and my grandfather did not have money, you know. Um, and no one handed him anything. Uh, my parents, you know, started off in a small apartment and, and had to buy their, you know, clothes and stuff for, for us when we were born with a credit card because they had no money. Uh, you know, so what does generational wealth matter at that point, right? It didn't, doesn't yeah, right. matter. Um, right, right, right. No, no, but because every generation going forward are, are going to do what they want to do. And, and I said what I said uh, concerning, um, those people concerned about yesterday cannot move forward. Here's an example. Generational wealth, as I said, starts today. You have people that come from around the world, Pakistanians, you have uh, Eastern Indians, you have uh, true African-Americans, Africans that have immigrated to America. You have these people come here and these people are successful. And guess what they're doing? They are leaving an inheritance for their children. <laughs> this is what they're doing. So it starts now. They are not complaining about what they had or didn't have from the country that they came from. They have put all those things behind them. Paul said, Paul said, I forget those things that are behind. This is what Paul said in the Bible. I forget those things that are behind and I press forward to the mark of a higher calling in Jesus Christ. So history has its place, but it's certainly not to hold on to. Only for those that wish to make excuses. Yep. So along those same lines, we, we see, I think it was, I think Biden said this, and I know that a number of others have said this, is that the greatest threat, the greatest threat we face is white, white supremacy. Uh, this is some more trickery. This is some more word scramble. This is some soft bigotry uh, and more projecting. Uh, they're talking about themselves but they want you to think that they care about you and talk about somebody else. They're talking about themselves. And um, <laughs> it's a myth. Nobody, no black person can faith, can look you in the eye and say, when they get up in the morning, they have a problem with some white people preventing a white person, preventing them from doing what it is they want to do, whether it's to accomplish something or whatever it is they want to do. No white person, nobody can honestly say that somebody's standing away. So this is a, some more Marxism. This is a myth. And, and these people are talking to their base, people that they know. See, one thing I can tell you right now, insanity doesn't recognize insanity. Okay, They don't recognize each other. Insanity does not recognize insanity. So when these people are talking to their base, they know, in fact, Joe Biden said once upon a time, uh, uh, just about maybe six months ago, and you may remember this, he said, um, the Hispanic community are more diverse than the black, than the African-American community, with the exception of a few. <laughs> so, you know, um, now, now he made this statement, uh, assuming that his base would think that he's talking about diversity of skin color because skin Hispanics are diverse in skin color. So he knows that his base will catch it that way and not the other way. He was talking about the mind. He was talking about the mind, the, the principles and the values. It was a true 
statement, but a very, very great insult. So this is some more of what these people do, you know, with this white supremacy argument. This, and it, you know, <laughs> it's really, really sad the games that they play, but you have to be, you have to be some type of special person in the spirit to be able to recognize. You have to have the spirit of God in you to recognize these games that they play, Jerry. These games are very diabolical and sophisticated. And they do it with wordplay. Wordplay, like the term African-American. And this is a term, this is a label Black Americans have accepted for, what, 30 years? Maybe Jesse Jackson, this is a term. And I'm not, I don't mean to get off the subject, but we're still on the subject. This is a term that we have embraced. Jesse Jackson labeled us for the last 30 years. This is, and if you look around, what has taken place? These words have power. These names have power. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. These people know what they're doing. Like I say, they're diabolical, they're sinister, and very, very sophisticated. So if you look around, what you see in the Black community is actually you see African Africanism. You see Africanism only, it's in America and they're speaking English. So these words are very, very powerful and these things come to fruition. I know that's a little, I don't want to get out there. A lot of people are not going to understand that, but their wordplay from the left, this is spiritual, Jerry. Yeah. This is all spiritual. And I see it from a spiritual perspective, and I can only explain it most of the time from a spiritual perspective. These people play some powerful, powerful games, and it's a lot, and it's very easily played with words. I want to ask you this this question here. So uh, we, we don't have to get into your background. That, that's not the purpose of my question. But, um, you know, I think I believe you you were in prison at one time, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so um, you were in prison. I don't know. Maybe you were, but I don't know if your your parents and grandparents were super wealthy, um, or if you were just an average. You know, they were average. Um, you are an you, you are your skin color is darker than mine, right? Let's just call it that. I don't know what like you said. You know, African American. I'm half Italian. I mean, what does it matter? But um, in a way, based upon what our culture is telling us, you would have every reason to hate this country and to kneel at the Pledge of Allegiance and all that stuff. But you don't. But people like LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, Oprah. They want to make this country out to be this horrible, horrible, racist place that you people that look like you and have your experiences. That's why I just that's why I asked about, you know, being in prison. You people like you, they say have no chance. But it's being said by some of the wealthiest people that have ever existed on this planet. Why is right. that? Why do you, well, with your experiences, love the country and are fighting, and they seem to hate it? Well, uh, I I can tell you this. I'm a guy. I take responsibility. Uh, if I if I've offended somebody, I'm quick to, uh, and I recognize it. I'm quick to apologize. If if I if I made a mistake, I'm quick to uh, hold myself accountable. And I've always been that way, even through my um my years before that I developed the spirit that I have now before God made me the person that I am now. I've always been that type of person. But, and then I also have a great upbringing. My parents were great people. Um, 
the decisions I made wasn't because they weren't great parents. It was because I, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And, and, I, and I got caught doing it. So uh, it had nothing to do with it. My father was a minister uh, and a business owner. My mother was a business owner. Um, we lived in a middle class, um, uh, primarily black conservative neighborhood in the seventies, by the way, um, in Houston. And um, you know, I, ha I had a great, I had a great foundation. Now, uh, concerning LeBron James, them, let me be clear: these people are not smart enough to do what they're doing. They're smart enough to do what they're being told to do. You understand? These people are not only, and it just goes to show, these people are selling their influence. See, it's the people behind these. Listen, not to say that they care because they don't, because if you really care, you would understand what, what they're doing and you wouldn't want to be a part of it. You know, if I became a professional athlete, I'm selling my talents and my and my um, skills to this organization, you know, and that's where the buck stops. You know, anything, anything outside of what uh, I signed that contract for, uh, and, and I'm going to read my contract too, anything that I do outside of that is a no-go. Uh, I'm an athlete first and a family man, uh, all this other stuff. These people are selling their influence. It is popular to sell victimhood. This is another form, Jerry, of oppression, because what you're doing is you're leading people into captivity. This is what it boils down to. You have people that are finite, like you said, have money that they'll never spend in several lifetimes, leading ordinary people into captivity. I mean, uh, you cannot take people serious that hate America and won't leave, especially those that can afford to do and, and, and much less, even more so, free to leave. So you, you can't take people serious. And this is some more Marxism and people that have a lot of following are being used by the um, by those that these athletes that they look up to, and and, uh, and these athletes are being paid for that because what you're trying to do is sell a narrative, and everybody that have uh, that's in that bracket and that have signed up to do whatever they do are, are part of this game. So uh, it, it's really these people know what they're doing. These athletes know what they're doing. And they, here's the sad part, Jerry, they don't care. They don't care because if they did, they would not do it. So it's a really sad set of circumstances. And um, this is why the Bible says, what does it profit? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world only to lose his soul? Because when you're leading people into captivity, there's nothing gonna come out of that. In Revelations, I think 17, it says, he that lead it into captivity shall, key word, shall go into captivity. So in many ways, these people that you name are in captivity themselves because they have signed up for something that, and they didn't read the fine print. So they have to go around and, and look the part. They have to go around and be who they are or, or be who they don't want to be, leading people into captivity. So it's really sad at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I want to ask you as we're we're uh, coming to a conclusion here. Do you have a driver's license, Jonathan? Yes. Are you afraid to get one for uh, if you needed to renew your license or you were taking uh, one of your kids or grandkids or nephews or nieces? Are you are they you have any fear about getting a driver's license? Oh, absolutely not. Nothing like that. OK, so no, absolutely so, not. You, you need a driver's license any and everything. Yeah. So, so we obviously, and I've seen some posts that you've, you've, you've 
you've said about the election. And um, I, I think a lot of people are have a lot of uh, concerns about um, the election and all that went on, the lack of uh, identification, the, the, the frequency of, of uh, mail-in ballots and all these things and, and craziness. And, you know, everything gets called racist. I mean, I don't care what you do. I mean, math is racist. And, and this, you know, getting a driver's license, I just have to ask, I mean, outside of the politicians, you know, the people out there that you talk to, how do they respond to the, the narrative that getting a driver's license is, is racist specifically? Well, <laughs> they, 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 they understand some of them understand and some don't, but when I finish talking to them, they'll understand, but uh, <laughs> it, it's some more, it's some more of that soft bigotry uh, using the uninformed. This is why we call our mission informing the uninformed because uh, you know, they call it racism simply because they know that some people are gonna grab it and say, yeah, it is racist. But at the end of the day, it's really not even, they're just using you. They want people to not have a driver's license to vote because you have illegals coming in here. You got illegals that are coming in here and they know sooner, here's what they know. They know that the audits are gonna prove that they cheated and they know something major is gonna happen. So what they're trying to do is arrange a plan B. They're trying to arrange a plan B, uh, uh, assuming that things will go back to normal and then they'll have the numbers. So they're using this uh, racial idea concerning IDs and driver's license as a uh, as a reason, you know, to, to, um, to implement their scam. But it's based on, it, it's it, it really, it's really for illegal immigrants that's coming over here that they cannot get driver's license and it's to allow them to vote, but they want to do that on the back of people that are ignorant to this Marxist racist narrative. Again, hence the uh, title of your uh, of your upcoming event, Informing the Uninformed. Uh, those that, uh, I, I think it was even Michelle Obama said that she is afraid to take her kids to the, the DMV to get a driver's license. And I'm thinking, you know, they have personal bodyguards and chauffeurs that are taking them. And, and <laughs> what are they afraid of, for God's sakes? Uh, and Jerry, and Jerry, this is why these people that we're talking about are allowed to do the thing. This is why social media and the tech giants allow these people to increase their following. This is why they can grow to millions and millions of followers, because what they want to do is at the end of the day, sell their influence. Everybody else get uh, shadow banned and, and censored. But people that play the game get all the reach that they can get. It's a game. It's, it's all a game. And um, we're sick and tired of it. Uh, Donald Trump is suing the big tech companies. That is great news. I'm just concerned about who, who's going to actually hear the case and how successful it can be. So, I mean, you know, um, we have to come together. This nation belongs to the people and, and the people must believe that and move forward as such. And, and, and God will be with us. The God is for us. Who can be against us, Jerry? Absolutely. What a way to finish this, uh, this interview. Uh, Jonathan McCullough, founder and CEO of Urban Conservatives of America. Love talking to you. Love your passion. Just remind everybody, all of my listeners, to uh, how they can find you and your organization 
and um, also remind them of the event coming up on the 24th? Absolutely. Um, you can reach us at www.herbcon.usa.org or go to our website, Urban Conservatives of America, um, and our information is there. And, and, and concerning the event, it's on the, uh, July 24th in the Dallas area, McKinney, Texas, which is a northern suburb of Dallas. It's uh, on a Saturday from 530 to 8 p.m. That information is also on our Facebook page in the event section. And if, if you're in the Dallas area, come out and see us and, and help us. And if you'd like to donate, donate to us. Uh, we, we appreciate it. We have a um, we have a mission. We've been called to do this mission. We are all products of the Great Awakening. We have a great responsibility. We're passionate about it. We're excited about it. And, and, and we're, we're going forward. So you guys that are um, understand our mission, uh, come up board and help us accomplish this mission and jerry thank you for having me on as always as always yeah um, now that my, my now that uh my post is coming on your timeline that's a reminder to check in with me from time to time <laughs> yeah oh i love them i i love i love your posts so uh and i i it, probably the easiest way for everyone to connect um is is you could you could find jonathan and urban conservatives of america on facebook and then that'll lead you to the websites and uh, keep you informed of all the events and you'll be able to uh, uh, see Jonathan's great posts as well. So uh, Jonathan McCullough of Urban Conservatives of America, thank you so much for taking the time while you're traveling. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're always welcome on uh, this program anytime. And I wish uh, you and your organization all the best because you're doing God's work. So uh, thanks so much for all you're doing. Thanks for having me, Jerry. It's a pleasure every time you have me on. Absolutely. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Fides Podcast. I appreciate you being here. Uh, please check out all my podcasts on any podcast app. Check me out on YouTube as well. And I am on uh, rightamericamedia.com on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern for some of my video podcasts as well. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.